want to become a better you? You've already started eating better, working out, and stopped smoking, but how do you truly see yourself in a new light? Maybe it's time to have a kid. That's right, we said it. Have a kid. Nothing can make you get your act together better than taking care of a tiny human who will copy everything you do. Say goodbye to personal space and hello to a little smiling face with this huge life-changing addition. Having a kid will surely bring joy, new life lessons, and should mature you the fuck up. Ask your partner about adding to your household today. Brought to you by the Republican Party of America. What's going on, planet Earth? It's your boy, Joel Boyd, co-host, comedian, actor, writer, all that jazz. We got a great show for you today. Aisha Alpha is on the show. She came to the studio. It's a brilliantly electric, buzzing conversation with everything that's going on in the world, with SCOTUS, with the presidency, with with women's rights. We just want to say we are with you. We fight with you. We fight for you. And that's what we are about here on our show. So if you ain't for that, then this may not be the spot for your ass. We just want to say that we really do think this is the perfect time to feel some of, of this energy that we got to have from Aisha and her interview and her power and her determination that we got to hear from her journey and her interview. So right after this, man, you'll hear a little bit of an intro kicking back with me and Ralph, and then uh, we'll have an amazing interview with the great comedic mind of Aisha Alpha. And everybody who is not in as enlightened parts of the country, if you're in a state where where things are getting harder for you and your partner, we just want to say we pray for you and we are with you guys, all right? That's what we're about here on the show. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to High Power. Okay, so I live in an apartment building that it's like circular. So you see like the neighbors like inside the window. So there was this guy banging, like banging on this door on the third floor. I live on the second floor. He's on the third floor. I can clearly see him. I'm playing the piano. And then he's like banging on this door, like bang, bang, bang. Like, and it's just like, hey, wake up. Like, get like, and he's just waking. Like everyone now, everyone is just like, what is going on? Like it's continuously banging on this door, apartment 305. So I was just like, either this person is, he can't be sleeping. He just doesn't want you in or they don't want you in. Like, or like, yo, like, let it go. Like, I'm telling you, like, banging. And And this was what time of day? This is early day. Like, this is Sunday day. This is not like noon, like noon-ish, one o'clock. Like, no, it's not one o'clock. It's like 11. Banging, like banging. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes from the fourth floor. He's like, hey what are you doing? He's just like, uh, I thought you were in this apartment. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole time he's banging on the door of an apartment, probably like freaking out a family or something like, like, and he's on the wrong door. Like, and I was just like, holy. And then I just like sat back and thought, I was just like, there's a lesson in this. There's a lesson in this. I was just like, man, sometimes we're just like, as humans, we're banging on the wrong door. Oh. We're like banging on the wrong door in life and we're making noise like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is, let me in. Yeah. Let me in here. Like, and everyone's looking around you like, 
yo, obviously you don't belong here or like, yo, calm down. And then God's, he's on the higher floor and he's just like, what are you doing? Come up here. This is where I stay. You're on the wrong door. Like, you know what I mean? That's how I got to see it. Like, you got to come up. Like, you you banging on the wrong door, not even checking in on God to be like, hey, is this the right floor? And so you banging, making noise. Ah, let me in. Fuck, what's going on? Ah, realizing you're on the wrong door. And the door is easily open if you just called God, bro. And you just be like, yo. And God has to come down and be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What you're making a fool of yourself. Come up here. This is where I stay. So that's what I got out of that. This happened today, and I was just like, and I tell my brother, he's like, preach. <laughs> no, that's fire. You just sent a whole bunch of people. They don't even got to go to church now. Nah, they, just listen to the podcast. They High got power. that. They got that for free. What is that about us as humans where we are so set on something, like mm-hmm. so fixated on something that... And I loved what our interview with Aisha, where she was talking about just kind of like when you feel that urgency and that need to do something and like what you actually need to do is the opposite, Mm -hmm. do nothing. Yeah, that was Um, good. I feel like you have to fully acknowledge who you were as that idiot banging on the wrong door in order to appreciate going up to the next floor where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I agree. I think when we look in the past, sometimes I feel like, like, we criticize more than give thanks to the past. You know, we're just like, fuck. Yeah, I shouldn't have, damn, if I just, eh, like, you know, it's coulda, shoulda, woulda's in the past instead of saying like, you know what, I had to grow. It takes a maturity to be like, yo, I had to go through that in order for me to be here. Yeah. Like, when she was talking, I mean, this is a great episode, by the way, with Aisha, but like, I felt like talking to her, she was like in a, a golden bubble. Like, mm-hmm. she was like a bubble of joy. <laughs> yes. But that was only she being is. penetrated by the incense in the room. Like, you know what I mean? But it was just like, that was the, like, we're just talking to her, just like, she's like radiating, like, this joy and mm-hmm. optimism of just like, we are all unlimited and we all are. I was just like, yo, you're right. I mean, most of our guests are like this. This conversation was, I'm sitting here, like, very present and in it. Like, I was yeah. just like, I was in it to, like, hear how she does this, man. Like, two yeah. kids. Married and fucking, it's, just, it's insane. It does it all. And even the life that she's lived, like we talk about it on the episode when we talk to her, but like she has had like 40 lives mm-hmm. and she doesn't feel tired. Like she can pull a memory and it still feels fresh. Like she could tell me a story and I'm like, that just happened to you yesterday. And she's like, oh no, this was like 15 years ago when I was doing this job at the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Bro, she's like, she has the energy of like the fucking sun, bro. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking a little bit of her philosophy and having fun. Yeah. Like, and some of the gems that she said, one across the line, just like us as artists, our responsibility is probably to have fun on stage. Yeah. So people could just like loosen up too. Like, you know, and I, I, I fully believe in that philosophy for sure. Right after this commercial break, you will hear from the amazing Aisha Alpha. She's, you know, you've seen her on Criminal Minds, on CBS, Good Trouble as well as Just for Laughs in Montreal. She has an amazing comedy album out called All the Parts. Please buy it. Check it out. iTunes, Spotify, Google, Pandora, wherever you get comedy albums. And you can also support her through her podcast, The Shout Out Show. And you can find all of this on her website at AishaAlpha.com. That's A-I-S-H-A, Alpha, A-L-F-A.com. And you can follow her on IG and Twitter at AishaAlpha. So uh, right after this commercial break, you'll hear the great conversation with comedian actor host Aisha Alpha when I wake up in the morning what's the first thing I do I grab a cup of coffee but you know uh- 
it's like I, I want to immediately contribute to the world in a positive way. So how do I do that? You know what I do? I buy my coffee from California Coffee Company. I, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. They're a black-owned, culturally connected coffee and lifestyle brand. Their products taste amazing. It's freshly ground roasted coffee. They have all types of flavors that are just exactly what you need in the morning. They are young. They are doing it. They're reclaiming the culture through coffee, through teaching everybody that follows their movement about culture, class, and confidence. And and, and truly, they are letting people know where the true origins of coffee came from. Did you know that the coffee bean originates from Ethiopia? Did you know that? Enslaved black folks established the coffee industry in South and Central America. But when people think of coffee, they don't really think about black folks, you know, in its origins. But 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 they are here to change that. You guys are out there and you're drinking your coffee every day. I'm telling you where you got to go. You got to go to calicoffee.co. That's calicoffee.co, the California Coffee Company. And you're going to use our discount code POWERPOD for 15% off your coffee purchase. They ship nationwide and you can get your coffee and maybe some of their apparel at calicoffee.co. You can follow them on Instagram at the Cali Coffee and they are going to hook you up and let you know that tasting is believing. They're telling a new story about people of color through the world's most beloved beverage. That's California Coffee Company. Go ahead, type in your code at calicoffee.co. California Coffee Company. This is why the pandemic was so hard at first for me because I couldn't take a premise and talk it out on stage on Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like you're talking were you to doing like, like, a like void. Were you doing those like virtual shows? And yeah, things? I mean, it, for me, it was honestly, it was, it was great because I was pregnant mm-hmm. and I had a kid who was not one yet. Yeah. You know, or not really one. He was one when I got pregnant. So I was like, I had a one to two year old when I was pregnant during mm-hmm. a pandemic. And I was on bed rest for the second half of my second pregnancy. So I wasn't allowed to leave bed because oh. there were some complications. So I literally, even if there was like all kinds of stuff happening, was not medically allowed to do any work. Like yeah. I had to turn down all kinds of stuff. Wow. So for me, a Zoom show was great because I could actually sit in bed. <laughs> so you were like, you were slinging jokes from the bed. For real. Like oh. I was like, like no pants on in a bed. <laughs> Like talking, like just whatever, but whatever I felt like. And I think also because I was so like, I was so limited and I was so annoyed and so angry at the world because I wasn't allowed to, like, I'm an active person. I have Mm -hmm. a kid. At the time I had one kid who was like my world and I loved him. I loved playing with him. And I was like, not medically not allowed to do that. So I was like mad at the world because I wasn't allowed to do anything, especially anything I wanted. So I would go on stage. I wasn't allowed to parent. Like bed rest means like I could the pregnancy could be at risk if I do any activity. So like I had to be in bed doing that, preferably horizontal. I was like, I can't do that. Like, I'm like, let me at least sit on a couch or something sometimes or whatever. But basically there were some complications and stuff. And they're like, if this happens again, either you or the baby could die. So like, so you need to stay in bed and come in to see the specialist every week until we see that things have shifted. And Mm. then we'll allow you to like get out of bed. How long was this diagnosed to like? That was long? a couple of months. So probably like three or four months. Three or four months you were in bed for sure. Yeah. Holy shit. So all that to say, Zoom shows were <laughs> fabulous for me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of inspiring. I mean, if I am a bit more like separated from it, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And at the in it, I was just really angry. 
you know, it sucks being, I mean, this is all deep and very, I'm here with like two healthy young black guys. I'm like being a black woman who is in the, the medical system that Mm -hmm. when you're pregnant, the maternal death rate is so high for black women in America. Are you serious? It's five times higher than everybody else. Jesus For giving birth as a black woman. So I was like angry at the world. I was angry about that. And then they're like, you need to stay in bed. You can't work. You can't do this. I had to tell my agents, like, just do not message me because Mm -hmm. if I hear of anything and I'm going to feel like I'm missing out, like it's just like all this stuff. Right. So I think it is kind of like, I get it. Like it's inspiring, but I would not recommend it for anybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was just very angry at the world. Well, I just mean that in the sense that I I had a hard time finding inspiration getting back on stage because sometimes stand up and just to be honest with, I've had a difficult relationship with it. I think sometimes where there's anger. Yeah. That you really peel back why a comedian is on stage. I think some of our favorites, they were really angry people. <laughs> they were angry at a lot of societal things, a lot of things their family didn't accept or yeah. the people around them didn't accept. And so that's kind of a agent for change in a way. It could be to get on stage, to use that anger to, to you know, in a weird way, I think Comedy can never die as long as people are still getting angry about things, which is, in a weird way, good. I mean, I think it, yeah. Comedy would be a very different bird if, like, there were no racism, there were no sexism, there were no hardships, there was equality, there was world peace, there was no hunger. You know, Mm -hmm. personally, I think the real reason I got into comedy, that was because I love attention. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. It's not, I'm like, I didn't get into it because I was like, you know what, I want to make the world a better place. Like, I was like, not enough people are looking and listening to me. Okay, I want everyone. I want there to be a spotlight, and I want everyone else to be quieter than me. I want to be the loudest in the room. I want everyone's chairs to face me, and um, then I want you to listen to me. And then, of course, yes, I have a lot of like you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a big, fierce championer for like equality and yeah. for women and for anti racism. But wait, that wait, that kind of came you, secondary to just attention. Were you, were you, uh, <laughs> Of course. Right? Of course. Were you like an only child? <laughs> no. <laughs> Were you the youngest, middle? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Oh, okay, okay. But you know, though. right? My brother is also, my brother is just like me though. My brother is like, he used to be a <laughs> rapper and now he's a, a radio personality. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, we, and maybe it was because our parents both like worked a lot. So like no one was paying attention to us. So we're both like, <laughs> look at me. When we were together, when we were like, you know, young adults, it was like, it was like we were a carnival show. Like we were just like, hey, who wants to hear a job camp? Like we were just like, it was annoying probably, but we are- Doing flips and all that? Uh-huh. We, we would do anything to get attention. We were like, let's do this. So it's not yeah. a surprise that he's a radio personality and I'm a comedian and an actor. And like, you know, we both, we both have strong opinions. That's real cool. So you guys were like entertaining yourselves, never bored. Type yeah. Person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he- he also didn't want to hang out with me. He was my older brother and way too cool for school, right? So, <laughs> but yeah, we both were, you know, doing our thing. And it's funny because my parents, they're both like, my mom came from like a small farming community of 190 people and mm. then went on to like go to school, university, get her PhD in microbiology. My father was, lived his life in Nigeria, didn't have three meals a day, like got scholarships, came over to Canada, got mm. his PhD in engineering. And so they obviously were both like working very hard through our whole lives. Wow. And then my brother and I are like, 
Let's be clowns. Let's play. Yo, you, you guys are doing all this serious stuff. Let's yeah. balance out the family. Yes, it was. I mean, my parents are both are both proud of both my brother and I, but it's just like, you know, it's not the typical parental story where you have my one parent is an immigrant. I'm an immigrant, but like my dad is like grew up in Nigeria, worked hard. Mm-hmm. All those stories are the parents who are like, you got to be a doctor. You got to be a lawyer. You got to be this. My mom's the only person in her family who's ever gone to university. Some of them didn't. You know what I mean? So you'd think that they would be like, mm. don't waste it. Go do this. But no, my parents were at my shows. My parents used to go to my brother's. Like, my mom is the whitest person alive. <laughs> my dad wears a beret. Okay. And they used to go to my brother's like hip hop rap shows and stuff. And it's like all like, you know, 20 year old dudes. Like, yeah. and it was like hardcore stuff. And they were like in there like... <laughs> Drinking water, like hip hip hooray, yeah. like just trying to like encourage, you know. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, that's cool. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very cool. That's kind of beautiful, though. Like they worked hard enough to be able to let their kids chill. Yeah, know? I think their big thing is like figure out what you love and what you want to do, mm-hmm. and then they would have been disappointed if we didn't pursue the, whatever that thing was. Right. So I don't think it really mattered what the thing was. Because I mean, I used, I don't know if I told you this, but I used to be a soccer player. Like that's what I did yeah. for a living. Oh no, I did my research. Oh boy. I know. What else have you You were like out? a freaking champion. I mean, I I was, yeah, I played professional soccer. We did well. I have nothing to do with soccer anymore. I don't watch soccer. I don't care about soccer anymore. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Like, hold on. Hold on. I know. Just gonna, I'm cold. I'm cold. You don't even watch soccer? I don't watch, I don't care about it. <laughs> like here's the thing. The truth is like, I started playing soccer because I was good. I was an athlete, right? Yeah. I used to be a competitive gymnast before that. And I think gymnastics makes you good at lots of different sports. So I played high-level basketball. I played high-level soccer. I played high-level volleyball. And I was a track athlete. I just had to pick one when I went to university. And I picked soccer. And then that's the one that I went off in in life. And, like, played in university. Played professionally. Played overseas. But, like, it's not like I was, like, a soccer enthusiast. Like, I know, I didn't mm-hmm. care about soccer that much. I just cared about winning. I'm very competitive. Yeah. Mm. And so when soccer was done and I was like, okay, I'm going to move on to something else, there w- there had never been a thread of like, this is my life. This <laughs> is my love. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm done. And then people are like, you're going to miss it. You should be a coach. And I was like, why would I want to sit on the sidelines and watch people do the fun? Like, I'm not interested in strategy. I don't know. I'm not even trying to know all the rules. You know what I mean? But I'm like, yeah. I just like playing it. There's a lot of things I think that I was like, I was good at it. So someone's like, oh, you should do this. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it. And then I would excel and do well. Like, not. I'm not saying I excelled at everything. But mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing for me and why I got into stand-up comedy was I came from, I, I lived overseas in Korea. I played soccer. I played Gaelic football and represented Korea in this Irish game as a wow. Nigerian Canadian, like all this stuff, right? And then I kind of left that life because I was like, I don't really want to play sports as who I am mm-hmm. anymore. My body will fail at some point. I don't really, like I was dating a guy and I was like having fun. He owned this big Irish pub and we were partying and traveling all this stuff. And I'm like, this feels fun, but empty. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm actually going to, for the first time in my life, make a choice about what I want to do next. Like kind of like, from the ground, from ground zero. Like, let's clear everything and just start again. And then I was like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do with my life? What's important to me? What will mm-hmm. make me feel happy and ha- like I'm having fun? And I went through a whole bunch of different things and then sort of flipped backwards, tripped and fell into stand-up comedy. <laughs> and then I was like, again, it was something that I like. I did well at the first time I did. And people were like, you should do this. And I resisted it because I was like, I'm tired of doing something just because right people tell you, you know to people do it. tell you I should do it. But then I ended up really enjoying it and like you know doing stand up, doing acting, and all this stuff. 
And I was like, oh yeah, like here's the common thread from everything I've been doing that mm-hmm. I like to have fun. I like to be creative. I like attention. You know what I mean? <laughs> like even in soccer, I was like a real like kind of ham on there. Like, I was like, it was always coming up. But like, it, and then I can actually have a, a point of view and have that out there. Because that was, I think, the Mm -hmm. thing that was missing for a lot of other stuff that I was doing is my point of view wasn't getting out there. Mm -hmm. Like people saw me and had opinions and thoughts about me and stuff. But like I didn't actually have a voice in anything that I did. So this is the first time Mm. when I got into something. And even now that I'm starting to write Mm -hmm. is like the second coming of the first time where I'm like feeling like I matter and I'm important and my uniqueness is important and valid and valuable which I think is in this industry, they try to tell everybody that like, you're not important. We don't need you. There's a million of you if you don't want to do it, right. which is just not true, right? But it's very hard to like actually embody that and do it. Can you paint the picture of like those moments? Like where was, I, I see the bar. I see you kind of felt empty. Like when you started rebuilding, you didn't really know what direction you wanted to go in. No. Like, what what were you doing? Like, did you go home? Like, what was the process? Oh, baby. Like, what happened? I moved back to Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada into my childhood bedroom with oh. my parents. Okay? And like, they were thrilled. They were like, it's just a coming home. They were so excited. But it was like, it really was a symbolic and a, like a realistic move back into childhood mm-hmm. because I was in my same room. My parents treated me like I was 12 years old again because I hadn't lived at home since I was like 17. Yeah. Right. So they were like, they reverted back to that. And I was like a failure, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. I like I had I had done a lot of really cool things and stuff, but I traveled afterwards when I was done and I came back and I had broken up with the guy I was dating. I didn't really have anything to show for all the years that I'd been playing. Like I had some soccer accolades, but I knew I didn't want to do soccer anymore. So it was like that doesn't really translate into anything else. Mm-hmm. I had no money and like I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so it was kind of like, okay, I was like the person who gives out samples at the grocery store Mm, for a while. Like, you know, when like you have to eat shit because you're just like, you know, what am I going to do? Right. In your hometown. In my hometown. I saw people who I went to school with who were like, oh, hi, Aisha. And I was like, would you like to try Farmer Fresh Sausage? Like, I was like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to. It was it was embarrassing. But. Then you have to like sit there in it and go, there's nothing wrong with like making money to be a human being. Like there's no shame in taking a job and making money. Like I don't know why I would feel that. Of course you do. And trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was like, you know, the problem that I often face is that I like a lot of things. And I think Mm -hmm. that I have the ability to, and I believe in myself and that I have the ability to succeed in a lot of things, Mm -hmm. which sounds arrogant, but like, I don't know. I just think that that's true. And so the problem is like, I get a lot of ideas and I start things and I don't finish them. Mm -hmm. That's my problem. You know, I could make Mm -hmm. a lot of money doing this thing if I wanted to, but like I would feel empty. Like I was like, I want to find the thing that's going to give me inner joy. Mm -hmm. But the hard work in that sense that goes along with it was really a difficult thing because Mm -hmm. it's like humbling. You have to like face your own demons and shit like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) To like find that stuff. And like I started a life coaching company. It started doing really well. And I was doing all these big talks for big companies. And at the same time, I was working at a company called David's Tea. I don't know if they have them here, but it's like a, like a crappy little tea shop. Mm-hmm. And so I would be in like an apron <laughs> and a little hat. And then someone from like, I had just had a meeting with in a fucking suit. You know what I mean? And I was like, I, you can count on me. You can oh. be confident that I can do this for your company. And then the weekend, I'd be like, 
would you like to try the oolong tea we have in? Like that sort of dichotomy where I was like, I can't keep doing this job and like being taken seriously, Mm -hmm. but I can't not do this job because who's going to pay my bills? You know what I mean? Like there is a real responsibility here. And then just like finding ways to like own that stuff and be like, I don't need to have shame because I'm working hard as a human being. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have shame because I'm not successful in big quotation marks based on somebody else's, you know, I'm working towards my thing. And I, then I became like, I had a lot of clients and I did really well as a life coach. And that led into being a host of this online lifestyle channel. And my face mm-hmm. was on all these billboards and still I couldn't afford new shoes and shit. Like it was just like this weird dichotomy of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got into stand up comedy. I got into acting. And then I think it's like, that's where things really started to take off. And all the hard work I had put in paid off mm-hmm. because then, as you know, both of you, like then when you get a paycheck, like you've been working for six months on something, you get a paycheck and it's like, hot diggity damn, I'm buying myself a car. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you get paid then. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's like, it's good because I had this like practice of, you know, having to figure things out along the way, how to figure out like when I'm not getting paid from the thing that is giving me inner joy, how do mm-hmm. I make money? When I'm like not getting paid spiritually by the people around me, how do I find the tribe? Mm-hmm. When I'm like, you know, my life feels empty. How do I like have the courage to like leave it and like try something new that would be scary and shitty and I could just stay on this path and make money or I could go and do this thing that's going to be hard. So mm. also I'm going through like a whole new revelation of life after having two kids where that stuff, all this yeah, belief man. and like inspiration is like coming back to me because I'm like raring to get back out there after like what feels like 15 years of being pregnant or giving birth or having mm-hmm. a newborn. And you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm excited about I'm life impressed. Again. I mean, for people that don't know uh, that are listening right now, Aisha is a brilliant comedian, obviously, but the way you balance mothering and, and still being out here, like really in the clubs, like she's on stage I don't know where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can catch her everywhere. Everywhere. And you say you had two kids. She's got two. I didn't even know. This one's fucking crazy. I didn't know she had two kids. I knew she had one. <laughs> I knew she had, had one. one. I knew she had I think one. Jonathan said you had a kid. During, I know. Like, yeah. He did probably. And I was just she like, she just snuck a second kid on bro, us. She did, bro. She did. And and still working. So if you're lazy out there, bro, oh god, <laughs> bro. And I she's mean, lying about not being an athlete anymore because uh, she's. How like. do you, your body goes back to like fucking, she looks like she could, she just played soccer. I appreciate yeah, that's what I was that. saying. Like, I yeah, I was like, that. yo, you could definitely still play soccer. I feel like if someone was just like, yo, can't beat me though, and you'd be ready. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm competitive to like no end. I'm competitive to the point where, and this is a horrible thing to say, like at this stage when I'm not good, like I know I'm not as good as I was before. I used to be very good at soccer. I'm not that good anymore. Like I, I still can play, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, if someone had that attitude where they like questioned, especially if they were like, girls can't play soccer, I would I would play, I would cheat, I don't give a shit. I would do whatever it took to defeat that person. Like I'm like too competitive, oh, you know. Dirty player. Okay. I'm like, I never Z9. I never cheated when I played soccer because I played against, you know, I never had to play against guys. I, I played in a men's, actually, I played in a men's league in South Korea. Okay. Oh. That was one of the things I did. I was the only woman in the entire league, and people were like, laughed at me when I came to play. And then I started uh-huh. on the team because I was better than a lot of the guys. Yeah, bitch. Um, and that was one of the first times where, like, you know, I always played with women. So there was never any kind of like harassment or any of that kind of stuff. It was the first time where people would come onto the pitch and be like, huh, because of a girl on your team. And it was like, I would like Terminator, like focus in like a little like target mm-hmm. on them and be like, I'm going to kill yeah, you. I'm you know, like I was like, destroy you. Yes. 
And my teammates would be like that. And like, I had guys try and squeeze my boobs when we were playing. And it was Holy like, shit. oh, well, now I'm going to now I'm going to rake my my cleats down your shins just to keep you like I was like a oh, real sh- I will. I will. I'm feisty. I you like know, that, I'm feisty. I like you need that. Yeah. In soccer. But anyway, sure. I appreciate all the accolades. And I, I think I need to hear that sometimes that like I'm doing a lot. No, you're doing eyes, it. I think sometimes but we I need don't to know it. that we're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm t- I'm here to tell you. We're here to tell you. Yeah. Thank doing you. There's a lot. Like, we all do that, though. Like, yeah. we, will t- we all take a critique, like, better than a compliment all day. Because you're like, I can learn from that. Okay. Right, like, right, you know, right. Like, yeah. Someone's like, no, you're good. Like, they'd be like, all right. Like, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> For me, honestly, it's like, it makes me want to cry because it makes me feel like, you know, when you, I've been, like, holding all this, like, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not whatever. And then someone's like, says something like that. Well, you know, she does comedy. She's doing this. She's on commercials and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. It's good. I can just let go of all those like things that I'm like holding on to. Yeah. Well, because I think like you just are Aisha. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? I kind of love it. I want shirts that say that. I am just Aisha. You are just like, well, I just mean in the way that like (laughs) you, you say that you don't, you're frustrated that you don't finish things. Mm -hmm. And the opportunities come up and, you know, whatever that is for yourself. But it's like whatever you are just exists. And like you are going to bring that wherever you go and things that need to happen in your within the context of your existence are just going to happen. And you don't have to like like I hear you when you're because I'm the same way. Like I used to be like, man, I, I, I got to get my stand up better. And I, this joke isn't doing what I want it to do. And oh man, I didn't finish that pilot script. I'm supposed to send that to somebody. Yeah. And it's like, but we're, look at us right now. Like people are supposed to hear this episode of this podcast and they're going to be inspired by hearing you turning your life around. You know I what hope I mean? So. I'm, already, I mean... I'm already inspired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my eyes are so watered from this incense. But I don't want to like per- like slip back into in my incense here. We have new staff and they kind of incense. I got to put this in the podcast. They incense it up. And they, they're just like, oh, there's a woman coming in. Let's incense it up. Like, <laughs> just, my eyes are so, yeah, so I was I, like, oh my goodness. But sorry, I just didn't, I don't want to like stop you, everything or anything. No, no, no. It's okay. I'm also can... so sweaty and that's just on me. I'm just going to tell you guys I'm going to be real sweaty. It's okay. I hope everyone's listening to this and just feeling this part too that, you that know, it's okay to exist. be sweaty. It's okay. It's okay. A friend of mine, though, used to always use um, baking soda mixed with coconut oil. What? Yeah. yeah. And he said that that's good for armpits and for brushing your teeth. Don't use the same yeah, tub yeah. of no, it. but <laughs> yeah, The oil pulling for the coconut. Yeah. 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 It's like, like a huge disinfectant. Like, yeah. Wait, for your I used teeth? to do that. That's yeah. my Echo Park version of me. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Oil pulling is like a whole a whole thing. It is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. What is it called? Oil what? Oil pulling. pulling. You it's put just... it in your mouth and then for like a long time you just like swish it through your teeth and uh-huh. through your everything. And it's like a natural antibacterial. So like all the stuff that causes cavities or bad breath in your teeth like gets pulled out and then you spit the oil out. Get the fuck. So what do you need? Just like a t- like a teaspoon of that? Yeah, I don't, I don't Trader know. Joe's yeah. get like coconut yeah the like, organic uh, yeah. thing oh I thought you were gonna be like get a coconut and I was like this guy <laughs> is like it's from <laughs> so you're gonna go to the island yeah yeah <laughs> peek out the coconut that <laughs> you a you plant a coconut tree and then <laughs> and then watch it grow <laughs> That is the process. You watch it grow. If you do not watch it grow, if you do not sing to it at night, forget the process. Yeah, yeah. Forget it. You must pray. You pray, pray over all the night. And then. <laughs> 
Uh, do it right. I wanted to ask because you're competitive. And yeah. Like, were you competitive in the comedy game? Like when you're on stage, is it just like, is it me against every comedian, me against the audience? What's the... It's not me against the audience, that's for sure. It's definitely the audience and I are best friends and I'm trying to get them. You know when you're like trying to get your friends to like go out or something? Mm-hmm. And so you're like, come on, like that kind of thing. That's how I feel like I am with the audience. I'm just like, we're all on the same team. We got to <laughs> do this together, you know? That's a good way to think about it. Because I never, I never feel black enough. I never feel like funny enough. I never feel like I'm enough of a woman. I never feel like I'm enough of a feminist or enough of a joke writer. Or not. I'm like, I'm just mm-hmm. never enough of any of those things. But like people laugh. So I yeah. must be doing something right. You know what I mean? Like, like my job is to make them laugh. Right. So I got something going for me. Do you feel like you're finding your identity on stage? Like when you're saying like, I'm not enough of this. I'm not enough of that. I don't think I had when I started stand up. I definitely don't think I knew who I was. And then I went through a really, really bad breakup that was really, really tough and like, like lingered for a very long time. And I went on stage once after like having a really bad time, like, that day was really tough, you know? And I was saying my jokes at the time just felt so stupid and irrelevant because I, I was sad all the time and I'm telling these jokes and uplift, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. was discongru- mm-hmm. incongruent. And I just stopped and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really fucking sad. I'm really fucking sad. And today I've just been crying. I've been crying all day long. I'm walking the streets, I'm crying. And I like started going off on this rant about how much I had been crying and how sad I was. And I remember like the joke that sticks out for me was I talked about how I was on the bus. I was like, I was on a bus. And I just started crying. And then everyone's looking at this woman crying on a bus. And I had to make up that my grandfather had just died. (gasps) And I just heard about it so I could get sympathy. All of my grandparents have died a long time ago. I had to make up a new grandparent. (laughs) Then I had to kill them off just so I could get some fucking sympathy on the bus and not feel like a pathetic loser who's just like, well, I got broken up with three months ago and I'm still pretty having it. And you know what I mean? And people laughed so hard. And I was like, oh my God, like I can just actually talk about like what's going on and like my point of view and how I'm feeling. Yeah. And it was like kind of a revelation. And that like there is no there's no thing that I'm trying to be, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no one thing that I'm trying to reach that everyone else is trying to reach. And I'm trying to get there faster than somebody else so that I can get it because there's only one of it. Like Mm -hmm. that just doesn't exist really in the world, but especially not in entertainment. And so it kind of opened the doors of like, oh, there's an abundance of everything, which Mm -hmm. sounds very woo woo and silly at times. But like everybody has their own thing. And there's lots of opportunity for everyone's thing, even if that thing changes multiple times for that person. Like we literally have an infinite amount of possibilities. Mm -hmm. So there is no me versus you versus you. It's just me versus past me versus version of me I don't want to be versus, you know, inauthentic me, whatever. It's an exercise in self. You Mm -hmm. know, you're the only one who can figure out what your joke is or what your perspective is or what your movies about or whatever. Yeah. So, or what this character that you're acting, you're auditioning for, like what, what do you, how do you see them? Which is going to be different from everybody else. So I think that combined with becoming a mother is mm-hmm. like, I want to have a funeral for the old me, mm. <laughs> you know, and just like mourn it and then move on because it's just so, I like myself so much more than that, that version of me from before. That part of you made you this way. Yeah. And that's, I honor it. It's great. I couldn't have, I can't, if I didn't have all that stuff, I'd be working in some stupid office in Winnipeg. (laughs) You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, 
Like that's not who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. And this idea, there's a lot, a lot of times there's like this. I want to get back to the confidence I had when A, B, or C. And mm-hmm. then I've realized more and more le- lately that I'm like, I need to like rephrase that. Like I'm not going back to something because that that's gone. That person's gone. Mm-hmm. That it's like what happened then or what I was experiencing. None of that stuff is happening anymore and it's never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to move into confidence or I want to move into a better sense of self or a better understanding or I want to move into this feeling of like being able to remember people's names or to like finish projects or whatever that thing is. Because it's like if we keep saying like I want to get back to that confidence I had. It's so like it's a mind fuck, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, we're talking about going backwards versus evolving and moving forward. And you're never going to be able to get that thing you had in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just hearing you, it's just like, you're more of a meditator or you're a prayer person. Like what it was. I meditate. I'm a bit like, I like, I love meditation. And like that. Yeah. I didn't grow up with any religion. And my, my dad grew up Muslim. My mom grew up Christian. A lot of my friends were Jewish. I'm kind of like, I like a lot of religions. I just kind of like, I'm at the buffet. I'm picking what I want from each yeah, one yeah, that yeah. I think is like, you know, going to serve me, which maybe it's not the way religion's supposed to work. But I think a lot of people do that now. Yeah, I think it's like, I respect people who are very religious and like they really believe that stuff, mm-hmm. that they're like, whatever their religion says, if you really honestly believe it, great. That's wonderful because it's still mm-hmm. all the same stuff, right? Like we're, everyone's still like, be happy, be a good person, be nice to each other, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really believe in that, like we're going to get along just fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the people who sometimes when they're like, I'm, Christian. And so I'm going to judge this thing that you do. And I'm like, but wait a minute. You're mm-hmm. the way you're talking is like not really a good person. Like from what I know of Christianity and like the, you know what I mean? If you Ooh, believe in God and like yeah. the word of God and stuff like this, then like you want everyone else to be happy and succeed and do well. And you believe everyone was like built from love. So like how could there be like hate for anybody? And mm-hmm. you know, anyway, but I think I gravitate towards people who who have that gray area, who have that wiggle room. Because, like, we're human beings. We don't know everything. We will never know everything. But I find myself, like, I don't know, with Ralph, like, even some of the other, like, of my best friends that I've come to know as what I would consider, like, you know, the future generation of, like, young Black comedians or just the people that I hang around. A lot of them were, like, raised in church. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but have found this kind of hodgepodge combo meal of like just stuff that they really appreciate about science or or that yeah. they will take this these lessons that I learned specifically from my grandmother about how she prays and why and when and what, you know, what the intention is behind that. Yeah. But still also being able to enjoy like a Netflix documentary about fucking whales. You well, I think I mean? like, I don't think it has to be exclusive, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, again, I didn't grow up in, sometimes I do wish that I grew up super religious because I'm like, you have this like built-in community and I just, I want to go to church and meet with people. <laughs> see that, you see, know when you're, mean? you're older, you're thinking that. Like, you know, yeah. I mean? when you're young, you're not thinking this is a community. You're just like, this is church. Right, right, right. you're right. older, you're like, this is a community. Goodness. Like, I could put myself here and like, we could have a little, like, you know. You have support. Yeah. Like, if anything happens, there's people who've got your back. Like, there's something very beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, it is true. As you get older, like, you have less and less of that, maybe. You know what I mean? Because it's like, when you're in school, you have, like, school friends or teachers. There's always people, like, looking out for you. And then as you get older and you're on your own, you're like, well, how do you even make friends sometimes, you know? And so having church or having some, like, when I played soccer, mm-hmm. I had my teammates. Yeah. I don't have that anymore. Like, all those kinds of things. I've moved from where I've lived so many times that I have like my best friends are all like around the world. You know what I mean? So I can't Mm -hmm. be like, 
oh, I'm having a rough night. Ladies night, my three besties. I'm like, yeah. I guess we'll get you on a flight from London. We'll get you on a flight from me. Like, it's like, it just, you know, it happened once at my wedding where all my friends were together and that was mm-hmm. kind of it. But yeah, that commu- I think there's that community that like, I do, I think I do the same thing as like when people are talking about praying though. Like I believe in the energy of the universe. I believe in the energy of like mother nature and like that we are all connected and that there's like, I think that's why I like, I like meditation because it's like about vibration and about like the sort of, metaphysical kind of aspect versus just what's here. What are we doing? It's like, let's just take a step back instead of trying to push forward all the time Mm. and remove something so that we can like actually sit in ourselves and sit in like, you know, I always think of it as like, I'm going to sit back and like dip my toe into the river of the universal energy, Mm. which is going to be powerful because then I'm going to connect with everybody, everything, all the trees, all the animals, you know, every blade of grass. But like, I can't actually personally live in that. So I'm just going to dip my toe in it for a bit. And then I'm going to come out and like join the world again. And sometimes <laughs> you might hard. need to like fall into that pool for a little bit. You know, that was like visually, I see the toe and like a right? stream of like stars. Like, yeah, like strong stream. You're like, Ooh. yeah. And it's so intense. It's yeah, like, yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it reminds you that we all think that we're like doing our own thing and we're all just like these independent beings. And that's, I mean, this is the one time where I'll be like, I'm going to tell everybody something. That's all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like we are all connected. This idea that like one person can't change anything. You can Mm because we're all the same. So like Mm -hmm. it affects everything, right? Yeah. And even just thinking about how you changing up one little thing about yourself can affect somebody. Yeah. You know, like I have made it a job for myself, like whenever I'm in a group of people, like, mm-hmm. and I don't know what this is about maybe just who I am or like what I give off my energy. And I know I made the web series about this, but like people always check in like their mental health when they talk to me. Mm. It's so weird. Like people that I just meet, people that I have no idea, like there's no reason for them to even start talking to me. But there is. And they just, I don't know what it is, but they just get in there and I'm able to like have those conversations. And I do that on like set. Yeah, I'll yeah. do that on a writer's room. Like, I don't know what that is, but I'm just like, oh, like there's something accessible here. And I don't, I didn't do that. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's amazing the way you talk about that. Cause I think it's like, you don't, you never know what your presence does to a room or to any space like that's it's it's wild yeah I always joke about this because I do stand-up comedy and my husband is a social justice lawyer (laughs) right like he makes the world a better place literally there's no other way to look at like he literally every day goes to work to like make the world a better place for people Mm -hmm. and so I joke that I'm like he does that and I tell dick jokes (laughs) right but when I think about that, right, and like this universe and all this kind of stuff, we are all helping to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is to be the like the most raw and unfiltered, joyful, authentic version of yourself. Like to mm-hmm. like live your life yeah. with unabashed freedom, right? And I think that that can come in a lot of different ways. And so for like people like a lot of comedians that I know, the way that they actually contribute to the world is not like go out and and protest and do your thing, whatever. But like the way that you actually contribute to the world is like having the most fun on stage Mm -hmm. or like hanging out with your buddies and joking around. And then you come up with a great idea that then leads to a web series that then gets shown some other place. And then they have a different perspective, whatever it is. But like, if we try to deny ourselves those natural things, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. you don't do it. It just happens. Mm -hmm. But if you walked around trying to be like, no, I don't want to, I don't want anyone 
to feel like they should talk to me. I don't, I, why is this happening to me? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and tried to close that down. Then like you're working against your natural energy, mm -hmm. right? I've done that so many times where I'm like, one of my like core values in life is fun, which sounds superficial <laughs> to me, you know? Does it? It did for a long, I, I took a whole course on some like some life coaching principles in university and we had to go and present. We had to do this whole work thing and whatever, boil it down. Then you came up with your one principle, core principle of life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mine was fun. And I was like, oh, cool, fun. Ugh, I love it, right? Like I, I love having fun. I want to help other people have fun, whatever. And then people went up on to do their presentation. They're like, my core value is honesty. And then they gave a whole presentation. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. And then it's like, you know, or family. And I was like, oh, God. And then like the more they talked, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. This is so lame. I can't go up there and say my core value is fun. Then I went up there and I like so backpedaled and was like apologetic about it and whatever. And people were like, duh, like that's who you are. And that's why yeah. you make like that. They were kind of like, don't do that thing where you try to be like somebody else's core value. That's just dumb. You know what I mean? Like yeah. do that thing, like be the fun. It, like I used to write it into my like business plans, like, and I have to cause fun for myself every day or have fun or make fun for other people. And it was like in there, like it was like an HR policy or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm like, you know, like art really is a way to affect the world mm -hmm. and we're not all going to be social justice lawyers. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, and what I've realized over and over is that when I feel like there's an urgency or I feel like jealous or I feel like something like that, that the key is actually not to do something. The key is to stop doing everything and like mm. remove everything and just like the meditative, meditative state or whatever, like sit and have a lack of things because then it's easier to like focus and figure it out, mm. Mm -hmm. which is really hard, right? Because when you feel like, when you feel an urgency, someone's like, we need this script right now. And you're like, something feels weird about this. Or like, I just, I want to focus on something else right now, but I don't know. And then you feel like obliged to do it. And then you do a shitty job or whatever. Like, I'm always like, uh, can I have like an extra couple of weeks? And then I just take, I'm like, I got to stop. I got to stop everything mm -hmm. so I can figure it out. Because if there's pressure and I feel like urgency and I feel like this like frantic energy, I'm never, ever personally, I'm never going to do well. I'm never going to make the right choice. I love that. Yeah. Ooh, that's really, really admirable. Which I, <laughs> I, well, because I feel like, let's be honest, there's a lot of privilege that I think comes with that lifestyle that we're able to do that. Like, yeah. I think there are, obviously, there were times where like our ancestors couldn't take a fucking break. Yeah. But now that, you know, we are standing on their shoulders, it's like, I think it's totally, and it's sometimes it's hard. Like I'm literally dealing with this right now. Like I was telling Ralph, like I'm moving in with my girlfriend basically right now, which is hey. super exciting. But it's like, she had to tell me, and I'm so glad like we had this discussion because what it, this is really doing is revealing a lot about our different personalities. But mm -hmm. like, I didn't really book out from auditions and script, like just things flying onto my desk for the past couple weeks. Yeah. And I was just kind of dealing with everything as it was coming. Yeah. And it was like, damn, baby, I'm so sorry. I can't help do this right now. I got to do this tape. Like, I got to send this in. This is one of the biggest casting directors that I've been trying to, you know, know my name or whatever. And then when I realized at the end of the day, I was like, oh, like, I literally had to choose at this moment. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and it was just like, oh, like, this kind of, like you were saying, that urgency and, like, feeling that pressure of, like, you have to be ready and on and ready to change your life for your career constantly yeah. is what we're taught. We're, we're told to feel that we have to do that. Yeah. 
And it's like, I think that the reality is it's just not true. Mm -hmm. Because have you ever had a really big self-tape audition Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh. And for me, it's like something happens with my kid. They're sick. They have to stay home from whatever. So it's like everything gets out of whack and I don't have time to do it. And I'm like freaking out. And then I go, I got to say no to this. So I send a message to my agents. I'm like, I don't think I can get this done. They go, oh, well, do you want until next Friday then? Yeah, dude. And I'm like, "Uh, what? Like that, that's, and all I I was like, why didn't I just ask for that instead Mm -hmm. of freaking out? Or sometimes you put the tape in and you're like, oh, this was so hard to do. And they're like, oh, you could have had a couple extra days if you just let us know. So I'm just like, what I found is, I think because I've worked in so many different like jobs and worlds and all this kind of stuff, everything has, like, I'm not even sure that I will forever be doing this job, right? I think that Mm -hmm. I will. I think I found my thing, but maybe not because I felt that way about soccer too. So like it ended. Mm -hmm. What I've realized is like, and this isn't revolutionary or whatever. This is not like who I am. I Mm -hmm. I change and I evolve and all this kind of stuff. So I might not be a comedian in 15 years. Who knows? But what I do know is I want to enjoy my life, Mm -hmm. right? I want that to be the, my plan B is my, all the things that everyone identifies me as the comedian, the writer, the host, the actor, that kind of thing. My plan A is my life and now my family. Mm-hmm. So like I, nothing is more important than my well-being or the well-being of my family. Nothing yeah. at all. If I never get cast in something else, if I never get to write on anything, if I never um, get to go on stage again, if I never host a thing ever again, will all this be fun? Will I look back on my deathbed and be like, that was worth it? Or like, it wasn't worth it because I was waiting for the big thing and I never got it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I want my life to be full of fun. I want my family to be full of fun. I want them to know that I love them. If like the pandemic set in, I told my husband, I'm like, well, if this is it, and like the world is ending, all the people that I want to be around are in this house. I'm good. (laughs) Like lock the fucking doors and that's it. I'm done, you know? (laughs) And it's like, that's what I want for my life is just to have like, to, to sort of live more and more into, which is very hard mm-hmm. and I don't do it all the time, but to live more and more into this energy that like, that nobody, nothing matters. Nobody else yeah. matters. The thing that I, I matter in my life the most mm-hmm. and the things that I care about the most, my family, my kids, that's all that matters. Everything else is icing on the cake. If I get a job, great. That doesn't define me. That doesn't make me a better person. Doesn't make me a better mother. It doesn't make me happier in my life long term. Mm-hmm. Money does. Money is definitely not yeah. a motivator That's, for me. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, it's that finding that stuff, and it's very very hard in this industry to remember that and to mm-hmm. feel that and to live into that because it's like, they're like, money is God. Like mm-hmm. you are a peon. Nothing. You know, this is the only thing that should matter to you. Mm-hmm. Put your health. And your family and everything else as a back burner, that can all wait. Yeah. And then you hear of all these people like going crazy or like committing suicide or whatever. It's like, because it's not conducive to like well-being, you know? Right. Yeah. But no, I think that's, that's valuable. Like, I yeah. think that's, I, I, I've read this in a couple of different books, but just like, what are you placing your value on? Because yeah. it's, if it is money or fame or, you know, there's so many empty things that I think we can be taught, you know, we get rewarded for certain behavior, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of different ways. But I forgot who I was talking to about this or, or I was listening to this other uh, podcast, I think about, I won't tell y'all what it was because y'all only going to listen to us. But, uh, <laughs> but they were just talking about like the invaluableness of an experience of, a, of an album, like a music, a great music album. How the fuck does that even cost twelve ninety nine? You know what I mean? That's such a great way to like, put it. This is worth quote unquote yeah. this amount of money. Yeah, but it's like I there are albums that like got me through the pandemic. Yes, like, there's albums that you're like, dog. This isn't even 
I don't understand how Spotify only pays this artist whatever point yes. percentage. And he's like, this shit saved my life. So it's like, it's, but it's, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I think people can just get duped. Mm-hmm. We can just get distracted from like, damn, bro. Like, living in LA, like, I don't, you know, people that don't live in LA, like, I, I pray for you all, but like, the weather here is <laughs> oh, enough. Oh, I just, like, I can literally just walk outside and see, like, like a cloud and be like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, this at this very moment, this is valuable mm-hmm. to me. Like, breathing fresh, clean air. Or, yeah. like, taking fresh-ish a walk. Fresh-ish in LA, fresh-ish. but yes, yes. Fresh-ish, yeah, yeah. You got to trick yourself into Outside air. Yeah. Fresh air. I mean, we're all on the right path. It's just that we just don't know where the map, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We just think, like, oh, this is the path. And it's just, like, all these, like, different streams of rivers on this map. And you were just, like, you know, like, and yeah. it's all our choices. Like, the choices that we make from saying yes to no. So those things matter, too. Yeah. And that bit is based off who you are as a person. You yeah. know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I just started saying no. I, this comes back to something I said to Ralph, like, weeks ago. But I just started saying no, man, to, like, shit I really don't want to do. Mm. It's so wonderful. When you just, <laughs> isn't it? It's just like when you go, actually, I don't want to do that. And you think it's going to be the end of the world. And the person goes, oh, okay. And you go, oh, oh okay, cool, 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 cool. Like, like, that's it. Like, now my life is more joyous because of this. Like, yeah. and that's setting a boundary, right? Like, that's mm. that thing. What you were saying about, like, all the, the choices and you just don't know what the map is. And I was like, I love that so much. So, so much. I wish you could meet my father because he once told me that he's like, when you have a choice to make, he's like, you should make a choice and stick with the choice and never look back because we think it's, a, it's an illusion that there were two options. Mm. He's like, the only option that ever existed is the one that you took. Mm. And so you can never look back and think what would have happened because he's like, that doesn't, that didn't actually exist. Mm. And I was like, huh? And then, but when you think about it more and more, all of a sudden I was like, oh. That's so true. Mm. So he just kind of deleted the theory of alternate realities. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you talk to he's also an engineer who's like, there's only one way to fix a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I think that it's like, it's kind of freeing because it's like, you can never make the wrong choice. Mm. You can make choices that lead you to a path that then maybe it was hard or tough. Mm -hmm. But like we were saying earlier, all of those things are what brought you to where you are now. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully you're liking where you are now. And if not, in 10 years, you're going to look back at this spot and go, oh, I needed that to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And like, so on and so forth, which I guess is a very an arrogant way to think because I'm like, we'll all be alive in 10 years. You know? <laughs> Every path. Right? That is a dark one. That's a dark one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <But>, yeah. <laughs> is it me, Jesus? Uh, yeah. If you're listening right now, pay attention to traffic when you're in, uh, <laughs> if you're driving, please. I could talk to you forever. We could talk to you forever. But, um, I would love to wrap up with this. What do you think is, if you can pick one thing, mm-hmm. what's like one of the most important things you want to pass on to your your kids? Like, is there Ooh, to my kids? Yeah. What do you kind of want to instill in them? Well, for me, because I think my core life value is fun. Mm-hmm. I think that like that you, fun, like play and fun, is a place for like love and learning and heart and like empathy. So I want to I want to pass it along that like yeah. having fun is is important. That is real. I feel charged. I feel like <laughs> hopefully people feel from listening to you in this episode as you feel dipping your toe into the oh. energy. 
That's all I want. If that were the case, that's success, baby. That is success. I hope so. Thank you guys for listening, man. Check us out uh, everywhere. You know, follow, subscribe, rate us five stars and all that good jazz. High Power Pod on IG. Highpowerpod.com. We'll see y'all next time. Power to you and your people. Peace. This podcast is sponsored by Have a Kid. Come and accidentally traumatize a baby today. Enjoy eternal damage to your child's psyche. And hey, mediocre sex. You have no choice. Have a kid and end your freedom today. Now available in 20 states. Brought to you by the Republican Party of America. Mm-hmm.